Hello and welcome to another episode of Pacifica Profiles. I'm your host, Lua. Before I introduce our guest for today, I'd like to acknowledge the Wiradjuri people, the traditional custodians of the land in which I'm recording this podcast on, and pay respects to their elders past and present. Today, I'm speaking to a young woman from South Auckland who is portraying powerful messages about her culture and femininity through her music. Today, I welcome Sabati Apofepuleai. I hope I said period. that right. <laughs> oh, period. Exactly. Thank you for saying the full damn name. Period. This Gotta let there. them know. Gotta let them know <laughs> where you're from. <laughs> Today, I welcome Sabati Apofepuleai, or as many of you know her as Disciple Bati. Morning, Bati. How are you this morning? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I feel blessed and highly flavored to be on this podcast. Yeah. Highly flavored, highly favored. Highly yeah. flavored, <laughs> highly, highly flavored. Did you want to introduce yourself a little, what you do, who you are? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, my name is Sapati. My nickname, obviously, is Pati. Um, and I. I'm, res- I'm just in the middle of a name change, actually. So I used to be go by the um, stage name Disciple Putty, but I'm not a holy girl anymore. So I have um, left that life in the past. So now I'm just going by Putty. Um, and yeah, and basically I'm a singer, songwriter, performer. And um, yeah, and I'm also someone, got a girl to the days. Got a gang. Got a gang. Got a gang. <laughs> um so tell me about like where you were born and um grew up in because I do know you're in South Auckland right now but where did you sort of come up in yeah yeah so I was born in South Auckland I was born in Middlemore Hospital but my mom obviously she works in health so she worked for Ministry of Health and also Counties Manukau DHB so we did a lot of moving back and forth from here in Wellington um I understand people love Wellington and Wellington's a great city to be, but it was just not for me. I really hated it there. I hated every single moment that I lived there. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Kind of, not really. But yeah, and so (laughs) it was just not the best place for like a little someone girl. And then when I came back to South Auckland, that was when I felt like I really grew up a bit more and felt a bit more comfortable with myself. And that's how I started singing too. So I started gigging at like 16, 15. My vocal teacher, I was her first ever a student and she was a professional singer doing covers gigs and like all these big um arenas and um I was basically her child labor um <laughs> whenever she didn't want to bring in a, um, a backing vocalist she just bring me in and it was yeah it was really good and then I had a band in high school um and we did a couple of like corporate gigs just to get cash and like so we could go travel and yeah and now I'm writing music like a like a little weirdo in my room <laughs> um so did you know you wanted to do music as a career no actually I think everybody in my family expected me to do music as a career like I was performing from like a really really young age as you know a lot of us Pacific girls are oftentimes it's like you know you get pushed in front of people to do like a siva or to do a dance to do your item and it's like oh my god but um yeah and I found out I was quite good at not necessarily like singing, but just performing, being a personality on stage was something that I realized I was quite good at doing. So my parents did their best to like foster that. And so everybody kind of expected me to like, just be a, you know, like performer, a girl. And I was like, no, I'm smart too. I'm intelligent too. And so I went to uni and then I found my love for film, film and media. And so that's how I got into film and media. And then I did my Bachelor of Arts is actually in screen production. 
<laughs> has nothing to do with music, but music has always been a steady way for me to make money. And so I got into the film industry. I didn't like it at all. It was just not for me. And then I was like, oh, fine. I guess I'll go and be a musician then. <laughs> yeah. And so now, um, and so now I've obviously decided like, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to, you know, grow my career. And this is what I want to do to make money. And it's what's, you know, comes naturally to me, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad that you went through like sort of the opposite, I guess, path to how usual Islander parents are from like, yeah, go to school instead of being a creative. Yeah. But yeah. Your yeah. like go do your thing over there <laughs> yeah yeah they were literally like my parents really really I think also because my dad's quite musical so my daddy's got like five brothers oh six brothers and um they all played instruments and they were all forced to play instruments by my pops and my grandma and so they all knew like they knew how viable an industry it could be because they'd been in things like recording studios and they'd seen like um, my uncle's like super technically involved with the music side and so they all knew that um just because it's creative doesn't necessarily mean that it's not um an economical industry or that you can't make money and they'd seen their mates you know like do gigs and stuff so they knew it was a viable career path for me they just um <laughs> I was just like no I don't want to do that because you think that's all that I'm gonna do and so I'm not gonna do that now <laughs> I'm gonna do whatever I want <laughs> Yeah, as you yeah. should. As Thank you, should. you. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, was there a moment where you were like, "Damn, I'm really a singer now"? Was there a transition <laughs> from like you just singing for fun and then doing it as a professional thing? So I went to Thailand with the band that I used to be a part of, and even that just felt like being a guy. And like, I'm just really lucky. Like, I'm really blessed. Then, then other people are to have these opportunities. And then after that happened, I went through like a huge period of just like writing, and like obviously writing was different than singing covers. And then um, in 2020, I got my first gig opening for the Beths, which is this like they're this band. They're like an indie rock band, I want to say, here in um, New Zealand, and they reached out to us from god knows how they found us but they reached out to me and they were like yeah we want we want you to play for us and then they gave me like a fucking mean paycheck for me and my band and I was like holy shit like I'm actually <laughs> I was like oh my god I'm actually like an artist now like I actually am like my like people actually want me to open for them and shit like this is crazy this is psychotic like what the fuck and then another moment was when I was out in town and because I've been working for Fresh that was like my full-time job at the time and so I was getting used to people being like oh like fresh tv and I was kind of like oh and then um I was on town drunk as fuck and um this girl came up to me and she was like when are you gonna release your next song and I was like holy shit people are waiting for my <laughs> people are waiting for another song like I was listen you're lucky the first one came out at all <laughs> let's start there so yeah those are the two moments when I think I realized like oh my gosh I can't not be a singer now like I've started something that I have to <laughs> I actually have to finish this now. <laughs> the pressure is getting worse. <laughs> yeah, the pressure is getting worse and worse. But um, it's good, you know, like I don't want to do things half pie. And so like having those things there does put the pressure on me to like, you can't just like do this and then bounce. You got to do this with like 100% and go all the way. You... That's so funny to hear that your journey started from, I don't want to be a singer to, oh, yeah. gosh, I guess. Like, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. I'll make another song. Right? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Um, so I know your single Serious um, was about the music industry and how yeah. I guess you or other women get treated and sexualized yeah. in that space. Um, did that come from your own personal experience? Yeah, it did. Yeah. 
Totally. Like a lot of other Pacific girls, I grew up with quite a lot of conflict around messaging around your body. Like there was, there was a lot of contradictions around the narratives of like what it means to be an empowered Pacific girl. And a lot of the empowered Pacific girls that were quite popular at the time, all like super fair skinned, super church girls, had their like pulitasis down and like the fitted men dresses, you know, and like the long hand and the season one, you know, and so that was the idea of like what it meant to be a powerful Pacific woman. And um, I just did not resonate with any of that. Like I was out here lying to my teachers, you know, like I wasn't a terror, like I wasn't a bad, like naughty girl, which is if you were a naughty girl, that's fine. But um, even me as somebody who didn't really break a lot of the rules, I felt a lot of conflict around like, well, I'm someone too. And like, I don't know what it means to be empowered because I don't look like that. And like, I don't behave like this kind of person. And so when I got a bit older, I realized, especially through my studies at uni, because I took a lot of sociology. And so they break down how colonialism has affected these ideas of what it means to be empowered as, as women in general. And so then I found a lot of empowerment in myself and just, just, like removing all of that altogether and being like okay well this is what party looks like this is what makes me feel good and this is what um I consider to make me feel powerful but obviously there's you can do that work for yourself but then you have to remember that like everybody else is still over here <laughs> and just because you're this now doesn't mean that everyone else has progressed and learning with you like there's still a lot of work that everyone else is not doing and like there's still these dominant you know ideas that that keep going around. And so that was really, really hard because on one hand, I felt super powerful, but then on the other hand, a lot of men, specifically Pacific men in my industry, didn't see me as like this powerful girl. They just saw me as like a slut. They just saw me as like a whore and like a girl with like tits and ass. And like the the whole point of that persona, which I think pe- the people who get it, get it. If you know, you know, but the people who don't, it's very clearly like they do, they do not get it. And the whole point of it was to be like, yes, I can be this but I can also be this just like men are allowed to be complex and multifaceted and so the issue for me was that these people because of that persona they couldn't understand the yes I have tits and ass but I'm also going to behave professionally in a workspace which is it is what it is like a recording session is a workspace and I come into this session expecting to be treated with respect and you come into the session expecting to be treated with respect and there was just no like consideration for for me or for other girls in that space and like things like people scheduling sessions at like 11 at night. And it's like, I know what you really want. Like, and I know what you expect me to give you. But when you're young and it's a big name and it's these these really established personalities in the music industry you think that they really see you for your artistry and you think that they see you for like what you bring to the table yeah your talent when the truth is is that they can only see you for what you put out online which is just like it's yeah and so that's what serious was about was like these people literally don't take me seriously And that's actually not my problem. It's a them problem. And my issue now is I just have to identify who are the people that are going to take me seriously and who are the people that I need to avoid. So yeah, that's basically what the song, yeah. It's not just that one song that that message sort of came through that we're like complex people. There's more to us than like the one side we show in like for you your music. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's basically why I started this podcast because growing up, I didn't have that either. I was like... I'm yeah, not a bad kid, and it's not oh. like I don't want to be someone. It's just yeah, 
people's ideas of what Simon looks like being conservative you know being fully clothed being modest wasn't aligning at all yeah and so for so long before I went to uni and you know learned about these things and got because I grew up in a very white town so before I had right. like colored friends and that sort of thing I was really struggling with the idea and trying to connect with my community because my community was not connecting with me like they, yeah they that's exactly that what I was one of them and I was like yeah no, like I really am I'm just a different type yeah yeah <laughs> which is allowed you know like we're not exactly. a monolith and like white people are afforded the space to be complex and to be like different and to and it's not like a it doesn't mean that they get ostracized from their community whereas like for a lot of Pacific girls it's like oh I can't be into alternative music or Pacific girls don't listen to rock or Pacific girls don't listen to metal um yes what the hell are we human everyone listens to whatever they want to listen to why are we not afforded the same thing and it's such an interesting thing because if you do things outside of what's considered normal for us yeah it's immediately you know no exactly (laughs) that exactly that and so me growing up I was like damn I must be like whitewash them if like no. I like to read books I like listening to white music like I take my studies seriously like yeah uh, but thinking about it now as I've grown I was like why can't we be those things why can't we be smart why can't we like this kind of music you know why can't I just yeah. that way or this way like so yeah struggles totally struggles yeah and that's the problem and like that is the it's it's a huge it's a contradiction right because on one hand we really don't want to be stereotyped as what it means to be like a fucking bunger like oh bungers blah, 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 blah. but like on the other hand it's like we also need to learn that in order for us to unpack these own stereotypes and our own victims and our own minds we have to afford the space for other people to be who they are yeah oh my gosh you so articulate exactly yeah <laughs> That's why she has a podcast, everyone. Oh my gosh. So in regards to that, um, you know, balancing your cultural identity and your identity as an artist, how did your family sort of take that? Because I know you said you grew up in the church and your name's Sabati. Yes. (laughs) Sabati. Most ironic existence to ever (laughs) occur on the planet, right? Um, Yeah, my parents, I think I'm very, very lucky in the sense that um, my parents, obviously like all parents, you know, it's having to raise somebody like a whole other human being is just a hugely infinitely complicated thing like we're mid-20s now and so the idea of kids is not actually like this humongous scary thing now it's like something that could possibly be in the near future for a lot of us and when I think about that I actually it literally twists my insides like my organs die (laughs) every time somebody raises the idea of getting pregnant because I recognize that like it's not just getting the kid fed and having it grow up safely and loved and you know all those kinds of things it's also having to unpack a lot of your own personal ideas about the world so that that kid doesn't grow up with the same complications and issues that you had that made that were such big problems for you growing up into the world and I think that my parents because I was unplanned you know they were very much on the grind of like getting money getting paid getting you know a roof over our head and for my mom in particular growing her career and so I think what I am is really lucky that my mom had quite a liberal and open idea of growing another human being so she obviously had expectations of me like um do good in school you know get good grades and all of that kind of stuff but she also came from the perspective my, my dad as well came from the perspective of like um you're not me 
and I'm not you. And I'll give you the space to explore these things and figure out what they are as long as you do it safely, um, as safe as possible. You know, I put on a show a couple of weeks ago, which was all about being a ga. And the main storyline was about me getting my nudes leaked. And my parents came and watched that, you know, and my dad invited his brothers, you know, so, so who I am is not, which I know a lot of other girls feel, even though I might have personal, like, conflict about being a disappointment and being a shame and being disgrace. I've noticed that a lot of it doesn't actually come from my parents in particular. It comes from the way that my wider community perceives me and people like my grandparents, as opposed to my parents, because my parents have always tried their best to give me the space to know that like, whatever happens, whoever you are, whatever you become, you always have us here to like lean on and you you'll always have us here to to make sure that you feel safe and to be who you are so yeah so I'm really lucky because I know that because of the wider collective way that we look at young girls a lot of young girls don't really have that which is why I think it's definitely my job to be that for other girls and to be that for other people so I think I'm, I'm quite lucky in that exactly. sense yeah um I did a space once and I talked about intergenerational trauma with like yeah. between Pacifican people um and someone said like it's it was a it's a luxury these days for us to be able to think about those things about gentle yeah. parenting and yeah you know, loving and supporting your yeah. kids but for a lot of our parents like they don't have that luxury because they had to no. work they were focused yeah. on providing and you know making yeah. sure you're alive which I understand now I don't really blame a lot of that on them because now that I am educated yeah, and I have yeah. the means, I can do that, you know? Yeah. And I've been afforded that because they did that first. They were focused exactly. on keeping me alive, providing and that sort of stuff. So, you know. Because do you have a lot of experience with, with that? That kind with, of concept of just with like breaking intergenerational trauma, which they just didn't have the capacity as well. Exactly. They didn't have the capacity to address yeah I definitely do have experience with that it's like an everyday battle push and pull just because yeah. trying to change people's mindset about yeah. some things is a very hard thing especially totally. if they don't have like the context of why it's important or like a understanding why it's important mm. that sort of thing. but I have that so yeah. I see it clearly obviously like yeah. you were saying before just because we're over here with our level of understanding and you know how we came to reach this point everyone's not moving at that pace not no, everyone yeah. sees why it's an issue which is yeah and I still struggle with that you see me on twitter i'd be fighting people <laughs> yeah yeah which i love i'm like she's doing it for us she's doing it for us yeah because i really struggle with like especially with islander men i don't know what it is yeah the boys on twitter and social media um yeah just struggle with like yeah. widening their perception of islander women you know yeah and their beliefs about it and i want to fight them but then on the yeah. other side i'm like they just don't have the capacity like no they've never been yeah. asked to like challenge their viewpoint on these things or like their beliefs on it and you know they're mirroring our community as a whole totally yeah. totally so, doesn't happen in a vacuum eh? yeah exactly it's a push and pull constant push and pull constant <laughs> she's on the front lines everyone you better give her a damn props who are your biggest inspirations in the music industry like do you have any pacifica artists that you're inspired from or you pull ideas from um i think I don't necessarily have art Pacifica artists that I pull ideas from per se, but I think a lot of Pacific legends 
I really admire the way they carry themselves. Bidian Monga, she's a huge one for me. Like I really, really adore the way that she is and just like who she is as a person. She's so just graceful and royal and like very, very comes from the space of like, I'm a woman and it is what it is and whatever you think about it is none of my business, which um, I always assumed that women like that um, would just hate me or like would just not have the time of day for somebody like me because of how much of a ga- girl I am and seeing women like that you know hold space for me and then just get it it's just very affirming you know like you think that these people are so far away from you and then you see them and you see them totoko like your movement and who you are and stuff and even people like Bella Kalolo I love Bella Kalolo so much like those are two women there who have just seen me from afar and just kind of like been like yeah that's cool like that's cool the way that you are and also I see your talent and I see how intelligent you are because I know that I'm that intelligent and I see how intelligent you are and I see your artistry that's been so 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 affirming because um it makes me feel like I don't have to change and I don't have to be like you in order to fit in but also people like that have the capacity to see the artistry for what it is and not try to change it or put their own judgments on it. They just see it for what it is. And they're like, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's just holding space, but like not physically, like, you know, like having conversations with me or holding space, but more just like being like, that's valid. That's a valid way to do your art. And that's somebody else's art. And that's really, really cool. And it's just like, I just die every time, you know, because I always, you know, you always assume people just hate you or like they're just going to think you're a little shit. And actually, they love you. <laughs> no, they exactly. Love you. I find it all the time, especially like when I would try to hold spaces or like do this sort of stuff. And I'd be like, damn, do people think I'm just being like, fiopoko, you know? No, I yeah. know it all. Like, but is, yeah. So I get insecure in that way. So then when people are like, thank you for talking about this, you know, thank you for bringing this up. I'm like, thank you. No, yeah. Thank you for ha- for letting me, you know? <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Like, no, yeah, you assume people think that you're being fearful or that you're speaking out of turn because that's what everybody tells you. Everybody tells you that, like, who are you to talk about this? And, like, what do you know about X, Y, Z and stopping a kokalaikiki? And it's like, when people who aren't kokalaikiki, who are, like, at the top of their game, turn to you and say, you're not being gawks, it's valid what you're saying. You have a reason to say that and keep going. Oh, it's just like the best exactly. feeling. Yeah. Um, so I was a major fan of the boy who cried wolf. Um, when Thank you. Released, that I was such a fan of it, especially the visuals, because as someone growing up in Australia, like I didn't really have a lot of major Pacifica artists who were repping their culture so loudly. Yeah. So every time I do these sort of things or I enter creative spaces, I'm always sort of like looking back to like South Auckland and the creatives in New Zealand who are doing it Thank and incorporating you. our culture. Um. So I just wanted to ask, like, how that idea came about, and you know how it came to be, what it became. Yeah, so it it started out because I was at the time I was um in uni and one of the assignments that we got given was to create like a TV series, a horror TV series. And so I pitched this idea that um one of the major iconic goddesses or iconic legends of our history is Nafanua. And so one of the major um iconic legends of our history and the storytelling that we tell has to do with Nafanua and how amazing and how much of a leader she was 
for that part of our history. And so the concept that I had was that she was killed. She, her spirit came to life in somebody else's, some other young Pacific woman's body and how she would feel if she saw where we were at in post-colonial I don't want to say post-colonial, but colonial society and um, what she would think and the emotions that she would go through. And then obviously the supernatural element of like how she would get revenge on the structures that are in place that continuously oppress Pacific people. And so that's where it came from. And it was all about underestimating, underestimating the strength that Pacific people have, underestimating the power, the complexity that Pacific people have. And so that's where that came from. And it was all just about pointing out all of the issues that I felt really, really strongly about and then expressing the ironic nature of them. So yeah, that was that was what that whole thing was about. But also, even, even though we go through so much socially, so many issues socially that kind of can depress our spirit or depress our nature, we still tackle them with such a grace and such a, um, a power that I that I think that a lot of minorities do on an everyday basis. And so I didn't want it to be like, oh, woe is me. I wanted it to be like, watch your back. (laughs) You know, like really, really watch your back because given the resources time, uh, we would be a major threat, you know, to a lot of of, um, the powers that be. And so that's kind of what I wanted to express was that like, get it together, (laughs) get it together yesterday. Because if this continues, like, I don't know that we would be kind. I wouldn't be kind. Do you know what I mean? That was, which is what I, yeah, which is what I imagined she would be feeling if she woke up in that body. She would be feeling like sadness and, and she would be feeling very, very upset. But also it would be a very, very much like really, really be careful. Something's coming and something is, is close to, to happening which is what I wanted that video to give. I really loved it, especially because like you said, you wanted it to be like a powerful thing. It Mm. wasn't us holding back or anything like that. No, yeah. I definitely got that. And I loved it because I grew up with this idea of someone's being very humble. Yeah. Humility. And I struggle a lot with that concept of humility especially growing up because I was like why should I be quiet about yeah how powerful I am about my talents about me and don't get me wrong I think it's beautiful I think in certain spaces it's such a beautiful thing that was the first time where I saw someone like no what the hell we're powerful yeah like and you gotta watch out yeah yeah So that's yeah, why I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Thank but, you. Um, Thank you so much. Did you ever struggle with that idea of humility within our cultures? Totally. Totally. Um, as a performer, you have to you have to think you're the shit. Like you literally have to have a big ego before you get on the stage. Otherwise, people smell it from a mile away and then they tune out and they don't listen. Because if you're not backing yourself on stage, then you can't do your job. You actually cannot do your job properly. And so a lot of performing is also understanding that like I worked really hard to be this good. I worked really hard on my vocals. I worked really hard on my performance skills. And I'm here because I deserve to be here and I deserve to be taking up space. And a lot of the humility that is that circulates in Pacific communities is not a humility where it's like, oh, I'm I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to um, be alive and to be a part of this community. It's a, I don't deserve to be taking up space. And so I have to be thankful. I have to be thankful and grateful because if I wasn't thankful and grateful, then that might mean that I don't deserve to be here. And the fact of the matter is, whether or not I'm grateful or not, I deserve to be here. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I did struggle with that a lot. And I did struggle a lot with people thinking that I think a lot of myself. And I think that just because I know I'm 
competent and capable of doing what I do in my job that I don't deserve to be a singer or I don't deserve to say like I'm a really good performer and I'm really good at my job which is not the same as just being grateful and being thankful that you do have the space to do this like they don't have to be mutually exclusive concepts they can be hand in hand and um I think that a big part of the reason why my career so far has gotten the traction that it's got without um with very little music being dropped is because I've been an egotistical little shit and because I've said you know like I'm not gonna settle for for this much amount of money because because I should just be grateful for the exposure and I should be just grateful that you just gave me an opportunity in the first place that comes from being an egotistical girl and knowing I deserve this much so you'll give me this much or I'll go find somebody else who can and I'm not going to be grateful for an $100 gig when there's five members of my band and we have to split it between the lot of us like before tax thank you no (laughs) and so yeah it's been it's been a huge struggle because do do you feel all of that as well Yes, I feel like the longer I've been on social media and just, you know, being me, existing, people, uh, they've become very like, oh, she thinks she's all that, you know. Oh, yeah. she thinks like she can talk about this just because she, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I've learned to just like, those who get it, get it. And like, I'm not about to sit here and try and explain myself on like, why I deserve no. to be thought like this. You know? Exactly. I've just learned to like, let it go. Like, if you get it, you get it. Like, because yep. if you get it, you'd know I'm not out here doing all this just so, you know, I could be thought of great. Like, yeah. I'm literally just existing. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm just breathing. Exactly. It's so interesting when people meet me and they're like, oh, you really are this opinionated, this loud in person. Yep. And I'm like, yes, I speak what that did you way think? because I am that way. <laughs> I feel that to the days. I feel that to the days. Exactly. And like my, obviously I'm on social media speaking and being passionate about issues because that's what I want on my social media. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not like that in real life all the time. I'm not out here like no. constantly preaching like intergenerational trauma cycles you know all that stuff like we're really just human like literally (laughs) and you know what the thing I hate about that narrative too because I noticed that a lot of the time it specifically gets pushed onto women because um a lot of like feely for example so this thing happened last year where our prime minister she apologized for the dawn raids when she spoke out about that it was, it was the whole narrative was like, stay in a, stay in a little girl's place. You're being gulps, stay, stay over there and just be grateful that you got a seat at the table. The point of giving her a seat at the table was for her to speak on things like this. And now that she's doing that, you want her to be humble. You want her to right. have some humility and grace, which is what I noticed you get a lot of as well. <laughs> The whole situation with Philly, though, was so interesting because it's not just the youth propping her up. It was our whole community propping her up. You know, this Samoan girl who can speak, you know. And so it was so interesting when she did speak and it it wasn't even a crazy thing that she said. It was a very valid thing. Like, you know, me being in Australia watching the apology, I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. Like, thank you for the apology. But then it was like, now what are you going to do? Yeah. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So now what happens now? I was thinking, I was like, I'll give it a, a year you know to see where they take that like thank you for the apology let's see where you take it because Australia's prime minister also apologized to our indigenous people and then 
they're still struggling. Like there's exactly. still so many problems. So it's like, thank you for the apology. You did need to do that. But, yeah. you know, apologies also include the action. Exactly. You know? If you apologize without change, yeah. it's just manipulation. Yeah. So, yeah. And women that's exactly do, what she meant. Yeah. Women do catch a lot more flack. Um, please, men, please, when you hear this, don't be up in my comments like, men yeah. catch flack too. <laughs> we we know. <laughs> exactly. We know that you do. But the point of this was that this was not even something that necess- like obviously it affects women and men equally. Exactly. This isn't like there are women f- fruit pickers. There are men fruit pickers. This was not just her being gulks. This was her and oh, that's why I really, really hate that humility thing. Because when that happens, we actually are doing them a favor. We're doing the oppressors a favor, you know? They're not doing the work. We're doing the work to our own people, telling us, telling the people who are asking for better, you shouldn't ask for better. You should just be grateful that you're here. No, Feely was in the onion peel fields, picking at like nine. Why is that okay? You know, and I'm the door of a fruit picker, like you exactly. Know? <laughs> like so, since then, my parents are back to picking, and I'd be taking note. I'd be taking note good. of yeah, how they're treated. You. you know, the pays yeah. and stuff, because that's what we're here for. This exactly. Generation. Speaking yeah. for things that our parents think is acceptable just because it's been that way for ages. Yeah. But yeah. us in better places and with our education, no, it's yeah. not. And you and can still be humble and do that. And exactly. humility is actually not about accepting the status quo and accepting, you know, manipulation and abusive behavior in the workplace. It's about being grateful for your life and understanding how things could have got to this place and then moving from there. It's yeah. not telling people to shut up because they're like, um, actually, there's something wrong with this. And um, did anyone else catch that? That is not humanity. <laughs> and it's like you said, women do catch a lot of flack for it, especially yeah. Islander women. Men don't have the angry male stereotype. No. Like no. women definitely do. And the more I speak up about different things especially in relation to women and the way we're treated within our cultures the more men bark at me (laughs) yeah 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 I totally get it yeah and it's like I'm not attacking your masculinity no I'm not attacking your identity as a person like this is stuff that if we fix how women are treated in our community your generations will flourish yeah your generations will flourish because we make the babies exactly let's let's start there we make the babies and we raise the babies you know and we raise the babies (laughs) which i know men are stepping up into their father roles a lot more now but there's definitely still a lot of work to do i know men who like they have never touched a nappy in their life you know have never changed a nappy on their baby and it's things like that where i'm like oh my god yeah (laughs) wow oh issues my goodness my goodness we've covered a lot of issues <laughs> yes we have and still plenty more to go let's go the, through the rest i got a list i got a list <laughs> <laughs> but i i appreciate the messages you put out um through your music Thank and you. empowering women and a different perspective on what our cultural norms should look like yeah. um, rather than accepting what they always are thank you so i'm saying that how important is your culture to you um like how involved were you growing up um in your samoan community and that kind of stuff yeah so i grew up going to um as a lot of us do i grew up going to a pacific heavy church and obviously i grew up doing i grew up opening the mats and being embarrassed and being shamed and carrying the envelopes and standing in the middle of the hall like this for like 25 minutes because nobody wants to put their hand up 
you know, so I was always very involved, but I felt a lot of shame around not knowing my language. And I think once, uh, once I really got over that and just realized like that a lot of that shame was heavily myself. And I think I tried to blame it on like, oh, people think this about me because that is like, well, yes, they do maybe. But um, when I started leaning into it a lot more and just practicing every single day, even just with things like at like drink ups or like, you know, at like just like in the kitchen and stuff and like using it a lot more. A lot of the reaction that I got was a lot more like, Ooh, like, like, you know, like, and so that was, I realized then like not knowing your language as as for me personally, I had to do a lot of the work of undoing the shame around it. And now I feel a lot more fluent. Obviously I can hold conversation with my um, grandparents. I used it at work and um, that's how I, obviously I was still involved heavily in my community, but that helped me to connect a lot more closely with them. And also I, I expressed my ideas in a more articulate fashion because I knew the language and having that language and being able to articulate, articulate your ideas in your own language breaks is a whole different era it's a whole different way of breaking barriers and breaking obstacles and people can actually hear it a lot easier because you know even though it shouldn't be that thing of like oh you're just fa'apalangi it's like these are ideas that are fa'apalangi quote unquote coming at you in your own language and now you have to deal with it And so even my grandparents, right, you know, like speaking to them about problems that I've been having growing up, they can hear it better because it's coming from a Samoan girl who's speaking her Samoan language to her Samoan parents. And um, yeah, so that's how I've found a lot more involvement with my community and with my people, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, I struggled with the same thing. Like my Samoan now is a lot better than it was like maybe yeah. three, four years ago. And that's yeah. because I personally had to fix that within me, you know, yeah. stop feeling embarrassed for trying and just putting it out there. And my parents used to like, they actually never really laughed when we would try to speak Samoan because they yeah. always wanted us to. And um, I see the importance in it now because I can speak to them in Samoan, you know, and they understand me rather than me speaking English and they have to put it together with like the words that they know, like, you know, but now they understand better and I feel a lot closer to them because yeah. I can speak to them and it does break that wall down and a lot of Samoans respect you a lot more like you were saying just for um, trying right just, they for, just trying. Respect you exactly. for trying so I always tell people like because there's a lot of us in the diaspora who like are embarrassed that they can't speak Samoan or like are starting out in their Samoan journeys or you know any islander language I know it's common mm. for a lot of us I always tell them that it's not it's not going to make you any less Samoan for not knowing your yeah. language yeah. but it's definitely going to help you connect more like yes there's a deeper connection when you're speaking and you're both understanding rather than both of you trying to guess yeah and um as I've grown and I speak more Samoan to my parents I've realized a lot of the things they would say when we were younger sort of got lost in translation because they didn't mean it the way we heard it but we only heard it that way because we only understand in one language that's exactly true exactly And in the same way, when we spoke to them in English, it wasn't coming across the way we meant it because no, yeah, you know, it wasn't the same. Um, so yeah. there's so much context day eh, that's lost exactly. when you can only speak one language. That's so true. Exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> so definitely helps connecting to your community a lot better, a lot yeah. easier. Um, but definitely doesn't make you any less Samoan. Yeah, I encourage yeah. everyone to do that. <laughs> same. Yeah, like it's honestly, it's like been the hugest change in my life. Like not even just 
being able to speak with my grandparents and stuff but also I feel more entitled when people say like even though like obviously that that's not fair but when people say shit like oh you're plastic and da 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 well I can just be like well you're fangailo so what about that you know and like you can like actually quit back in your own language and that makes you feel less plastic or like it just makes you feel like no I have a right to say that I'm someone and that I and say what I can because I can speak the language and I do the most for my culture so and like linking back to the idea of us being complex beings like there's so many layers to us it's really helped other people's like understand that when it comes to me because now I'm not just you know the whitewashed girl you know who's always yeah. speaking about taboo things now i'm that girl who's actually like Simon because i can speak it 100 like, it's helped with that because people can't really say anything back when i'm jabbing back in Simon. like now exactly <laughs> exactly so yes. now you have to go and do 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 the your inner work because i've done my inner work yeah exactly. the table with my own language so now what so yeah, true definitely <laughs> So what is, what's been the biggest highlight for you since you started your music career? The biggest highlight. So I have this new body of music and I think, I think the new body of music is called Ka. It's basically, it's a bunch of songs which articulate, I think quite well, how it felt for me growing up, not wanting to be a Ka'a, feeling like I had to be this way in order to be accepted, um, in order to feel like I had a seat at the table and then getting my seat from the table immediately revoked (laughs) when um, I didn't fit into that idea anymore. And so it just really details a lot of my experience growing up as a young bus speaker girl. And um, the show I did was like half theater, half gig. And it was storytelling. It was basically storytelling about how uh, with the music alongside it, And I think that had to be, even though it was a small show and um, it was at Basement Theatre, which is um, an amazing theatre space, I really felt so affirmed that my story wasn't for nothing or that um, everything that I went through was valid. I'd gone to a space already where like, I realised I didn't really need other people's affirmation or validation anymore. But to tell the story from that space instead of from the space of like, I need you guys to understand that this is a really big thing that's happened to me. And I want you guys to affirm that and to hear the music and to really, really hear it and accept it. Um, instead, I was coming from the space of like, this is who I am. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't give a fuck. If any of you don't resonate with it, it's none of my business, what you resonate with, because I don't know what, what you guys be liking and, and tweeting and like, you know, Facebook sharing. So I don't really care. To be able to say that from that space and to share such personal, personal music is just freeing. I felt so free and I felt like a grown up, (laughs) felt like an adult, you know, like these are things that happened to me. I'm telling you this story and it's my art. And if you don't like it, that's fine. If you do like it and you feel affirmed by it, that's also really cool. Um, Yeah, that's probably my favorite moment a huge highlight in my career so far yeah I love that did you film your show we did we filmed it but it's like it it was just it's just for my (laughs) it's just for my you know little little, like yeah so I can be like okay that was wrong or like this was that and the goal is to get that put in a bigger space so hopefully and then hopefully 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 tour it and take it around to Australia, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, yeah, and a few other places and just keep growing that piece of work and see where it goes, yeah. 
I love that. And I love that um, you focus on this idea of being a ga'a girl because yeah. humility again, ideas of women in our culture, you know, yep. being humble, staying home, you know. Yeah. I'd doesn't align with me face. either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be taking shots too, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my last question for today, do you have any tips for other Pacifica kids who, you know, are struggling to find their way in the music industry or like who want to get their foot through the door? Um, where yeah. would you recommend them starting? So first things first, I would, I will say that not everyone is going to get you. Like not everyone is going to understand you straight off the bat. And if you focus on trying to get people to get your story or get where you're coming from, it's just not, you're just going to always be in a space of asking, 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 and then not having anything be received because that's just a part. That's just the nature of music in general is like creating something and then hoping people get it. What I would say is don't put your whole self-esteem and all of your value onto music. Find other things in your life, like hobbies, even if it's things like sports, volleyball, rugby, whatever it is, that you can also find self-esteem from and know that you're good at those other things too, because you will go through huge failures and you will go through moments where you just don't feel like anyone is resonating with the product at all. And it's just because it's simply just because it's not in front of the right people and you don't have the right team. And it's really hard to find the right people around you when you're starting out and you have literally no money and no resources. So yeah, find other things to get your mana back, to get your like self-esteem back so that you can continue to do this from a healthy space. And also find a producer. If you want anyone that's going to accept you for who you are, and understand your music well, it's always, number one, it has to be a producer. And so finding people that you resonate with musically and who are going to give you the space, the safe space to just write and it be shit and it be like terrible music, but they can still understand like just because she wrote something shit doesn't necessarily mean that she's a shit musician. Making shit music is just a part of finding out who you are and finding out what music you're going to make. Don't be afraid of being shit. Find other spaces to get self-esteem and find a producer that's going to hold that space for you. Even if they don't understand your music and who you are in the beginning, just find somebody who's going to hold a good, safe, creative space for you. That's what I would say. Number one is probably those three are the most important things that have, <laughs> they've made me feel <laughs> sane, exactly. you know? I agree. Especially as someone like me who's trying to create things, I understand like getting blocked up in will people like yeah. this? Yeah. Like, yeah. I need them to like it. Um, yeah. But if you make it for you first, yeah. making things you like, the people who you're intending it for will find you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're naturally, you just got to be patient and wait for that and understand that just because people don't resonate with it right now doesn't mean that they're never, ever, ever going to... Like, look at Mariah Carey and Glitter, you know? When Glitter first came out, everyone was shitting on it, and now it's, you know, a lot of her fans have gotten it to a place where it's like they've gotten justice for that piece of artwork and they've recognised that, like, it, it, was a, it was good for what it was, you know? And so you just have to trust and be patient in the process. And, and hard, just get but- started. Just get just started. It. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. This podcast has been two years in the making, but we're just doing it. We're just doing exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, Nike sponsor. So just get started and just do it for yourself first. 
So that was my last question. Thank you so much for joining us today, Butty. It's been thank you for having me. It's been so fun. This has been fun. This has been great. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Finally, somebody gets it. Oh. Right. It's probably just gonna sound like not these two bitches just reaffirming <laughs> each other. <laughs> the whole the whole fucking 45 minutes is just me and Laura just being like just oh agreeing gosh, with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Echo chamber vibes. 100 <laughs> percent But it's been so good to have you. I hope anyone listening, um, you know, it helps them navigate their identity as well yeah. as um their journey if you want to be an artist um i hope butty's journey helps you through a lot of the things that i know creatives go through yeah so yeah thank you for joining thank us you for so another much. episode of thank butty's you. profiles butty's about to be my number one fan let's go period <laughs> period already am already yeah i'll see you guys next time thank you see ya bye losers Ooh.